Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Sofia Stefanovic is an Australian living in New York. She was born in socialist Belgrade, then part of Yugoslavia. As it became increasingly dangerous to live in the former Yugoslavia, her family moved to Australia. Her memoir, Miss X Yugoslavia, shows what it's like to be an outsider, searching for a way to fit in, and all the funny and heart-wrenching moments that can bring. Sophia is with us in the studio. Hi, Sophia. How are you? Hi. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How would you describe your childhood looking back? Uh, yeah, so I was born in Belgrade in Yugoslavia, and as far as I was concerned, you know, it was it was a great place, and uh, as far as my mother was concerned, it was a great place, but my, my dad thought that there might be a war, so he kind of made us move over to Australia and try it out, and that was a big uh, change for us. So where I come from in Serbia, there was no actual fighting, so the war happened in, in Croatia and Bosnia, but as we lived in Australia and I grew up there, we watched uh, through news reports and sound bites, we watched uh, Yugoslavia fall apart, so that was that was a really strange experience for me as a child, but basically uh, what my book is about and the things that I think I talk most about uh, my experiences as an immigrant kid trying to fit in and generally failing miserably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fitting in as a kid at any stage of life is quite challenging. Um, Did you have much English when you came? No, I couldn't speak English. And that was the most, I think that that was so hard for me. Uh, I was only five and I eventually did learn English, but clearly I'm still obsessed with it because I'm still writing about it now. So (laughs) when, um, you know, I spoke Serbo-Croatian, that was our language where I was, um, when I was a little kid and I was so good at the language and, you know, I could um, conjugate these different tenses and verbs and I was sort of the the star of my parents and their friends kind of group, you know, I, I'd be showing off with my language. And then we came to Australia and suddenly I couldn't speak. And it was so humiliating and kids actually laughed at me and learning the language became a bit of an obsession for me. And eventually I, I did learn it. And later on, like now, I, I am a writer. So clearly, like, I managed to get my head around it eventually (laughs) but that was a really that was a really big big deal for me moving at five it's such a um such a significant age for such a huge change your mum was a psychologist did that equip her to manage your transition between these cultures I think she wished that it had so my mother was a psychologist and when I was little she uh, had this really great circle of people around her all her friends were psychologists uh, in Belgrade she had all these great connections she tried to really sort of control my environment so that I would grow up without any any kind of stress <laughs> without any hang-ups. yeah and she knew that I was this oversensitive kid as well so she she tried her best when I was really little to to be in control of the situation. But then when we moved to Australia, suddenly she was completely out of her depth. So uh, she didn't work uh, when we came to Australia. She suddenly had this accent. She couldn't be articulate in the ways that she had before. And she felt like she couldn't really uh, help me. uh, And I was struggling. So I think that was really hard for her. 
And what about for you? I mean, I remember I was in primary school in the 80s. There was a girl in my class who was from Yugoslavia, or at least in my grade, and we really didn't understand. Children don't understand really their own country in some ways. Their world is the size of their classroom or their home and and their friends or their world. Um, you, You mentioned that some of the kids laughed when you couldn't speak properly. How else did you find kind of making your way? Because five is kindergarten, it's starting big school. Yeah, it was it was prep that, that I went into in, in Melbourne. Um, how did I find navigating? Uh, Just the, the friendships and the fact that you probably had such a strong connection still to the country you'd come from, but yeah. your classmates would have had very little idea of even where that place was. Yeah, of course, and and they probably hadn't considered it. I'm sure that if I had stayed um, in my country, I wouldn't have thought about Australia, Australia particularly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I remember it was so. So one thing. This sounds like a really sad story, I guess. But I used to I used to pretend because I didn't want everyone to know that I had no friends. So I would, and our school had some some pets, like school pets. There was a sheep and a goat and a little pony, and I would stand next to the fence where they were and pretend to to be feeding them grass because I didn't want oh the kids and the, and the teachers to know I had no friends. So it was really because you do. I don't know. I think that kids are really smart and and that they um, are sensitive to. I, I remember hearing things and kind of recognizing certain words. I remember our my teacher in prep told the other kids to ignore me when I was crying, and the word ignore oh. is the same in my language, so I understood it. So it was like a little private victory because I was like, oh, I know what she's saying, but at the same time, I was like, she's telling everyone to ignore me. Ouch! Uh, I, I feel like crying. I well, I hope so I hope teachers look that I do talk about that in the book, but but generally it's it's funny as well. So there's anecdotes that. that that you it ended smiling. fine. You it ended smiling. fine. I yeah. made friends. It's okay. I'm fine <laughs> yeah. now. <laughs> I just want to go back in time. I hate hearing things like that. <laughs> You're listening to the Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Sofia Stefanovic. And she's the author of Miss X Yugoslavia. And I'm going to move on from primary school now because I'm just too sad about how hard it was. And, <laughs> and I do I do have to say that Sofia looks very happy and well-rounded. Well-adjusted. Well-adjusted. <laughs> so she's survived and obviously she's a brilliant writer and has had a very successful career. So it hasn't harmed her in, no. any, in any way. Um, but let's talk about the title of this book, Miss X Yugoslavia. You don't strike me as someone who's going to enter into any kind of beauty pageant. Mm. Um, <laughs> bec- and I'm, I'm saying that because you strike me as, uh, well, you host women of letters in New York. doesn't yeah. strike me that that's the sort of thing you'd normally go in for. Um, <laughs> why did you do this? Yeah, so the, the title of the book... what was it about? It's, uh, it's a valid question. Um, <laughs> the title of the book is Miss X Yugoslavia, and uh, one of the, the stories that I tell in the book is that after... Um, you know, this whole childhood, I, as an adult, enter this strange competition called Miss X Yugoslavia, where the ex-Yugo diaspora in Melbourne had made this competition. And it was it was strange because ex-Yugoslavia is an oxymoron. Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore, yet here we are with this community where we all still hung around with each other and, and, and we spent time together. So I guess I, I entered the competition because the other girls in the competition were the same age as me. This was in my early 20s and I wanted to explore the community a little bit more. And I think secretly, deep down a little bit, I did want to do well. <laughs> I, I didn't, <laughs> but you know, it was. Did you have to have a talent? You know, no, luckily because I didn't have one. No, no, I didn't have to have a talent. But there, there were lots of weird. You know, you, 
Did like, you have beauty to, pageants are weird. Did you have to do the swimming costume thing? Yep. Oh my lord. Yeah. That sounds horrific. It's horrific. It's, it's very embarrassing. <laughs> who, who's in the audience? Who, who's actually... It was our community. It was the ex-Yugoslavian community. So it was people who I knew from, you know, <laughs> who I bumped into all the time. My parents, friend, my friends, um, you know, friends of my parents and people like that. Uh, you know, just just people from the community in general. What a story. I guess part of it was telling a story, right? As well, were you you're working in documentary and as a student? yeah, I was studying documentary film. So I've always liked telling stories. I think that's another, you know, ever since I was a kid, and and that's something that's in my family, and I think in my culture that there's a lot of storytelling. And so I always wanted to be a storyteller, but I never felt quite confident with it. So as a kid, I always, uh, you know, I I felt very self conscious about having English as a second language, and I didn't necessarily think that I could grow up to be an artist or a writer, which were the things that I was actually interested in and so my whole life I've kind of dabbled in that so I've always wished that I could tell stories and and um, th- throughout this book which looks at my childhood I, I kind of keep dipping my toe into into storytelling and this as well it's, it's a good story like the Miss Ex Yugoslavia pageant is a good good story and I think that's what attracted me to it. And good on you for doing it that would have taken a lot of courage I can imagine. <laughs> You are now based in New York and you have a new baby in your life. He's only five months old. Yes. You both, all of you are doing so well to be here, having traveled from New York only a few days ago. What, if anything, of the former Yugoslavia um, lives on in your life today as you live in New York? You had the kind of diaspora when you were in Melbourne. Yeah. Do you have those same similar connections with a different group of diaspora in New York? I do. I kind of When I first moved to New York, I felt a little bit lonely and I found this uh, restaurant where, where there were these people who also came from Belgrade like I do and, and there were, was food that I, that I had eaten as a kid and, and it felt like being part of a community. So I really liked that. And now, as you said, I have, I have a new baby and suddenly I'm I'm starting to ask questions like what will he know about about my background because he is you know he he's half Australian his dad is Australian but but his other half comes from me so I I really want to maintain some uh, cultural links for him as well and I want him to to know the language and I have all these ideas now that I that I didn't necessarily think about but with our kids we you know, we become different people. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so how has your upbringing, do you think, informed your experience of parenting today? I know he's very young. He's, he's five months. Young. You've got the rest of his life to work this out. But yeah. has has any of your upbringing kind of started filtering in now? When... Definitely. I definitely do things and think like... This is so my mum. This is so, <laughs> and also now that that I have a kid, I just keep thinking like I I feel so bad for all the times I was mean to my parents. <laughs> I think about that all the time. And then do you think, oh my god, it took me this long to be thankful? Yes, and sorry. Yes, oh, I'm gonna yes. have to wait that long for him. Absolutely. What about um? I I'm sorry, but this is a pet love of mine lullabies do you do you sing to your son and do you ever sing in your yeah. language yeah I do I do I sing songs that my mum used to sing to me I was actually a very very bad and demanding as a kid at getting to sleep so she would have like an hour and a half of lullabies that she had to <laughs> sing every night so uh, I, I know quite a few of them I do I do sing to him you know the next question is I'm not going <laughs> to sing no I'm not going to I'm sorry can I can't. you tell me the titles of them 
I don't actually know the titles because some of them were just kind of um, made up by my mum. So I wonder if I Googled them, if I could if I could actually find them. Right. So they might be traditional ones or they might be just ones that you They might be was... ones that my poor mother, exhausted <laughs> after being up for an hour and a half, just it made just up. just says, go to sleep, go yeah. to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you, you're sort of thinking now what things you would like your son like to bring into your son's life from your culture. Is there any one thing in particular that you'd like him to have, like the food or the language, or would you like to take him back to visit? Is there any one thing in particular that you think, that's something I can do and I will definitely stick to it? I think I would really like him to have empathy for people who come from uh, elsewhere because he's he's a white male born into a society where white males dominate and I really want him to to have um to be a, a sensitive person who who is kind to others and especially others who aren't as fortunate as him because I think that you know luckily for us we I'm feel very privileged now uh so I really want to pass that on to him to have uh empathy for other people and to listen closely to other people's stories and be a, a good person it's a good aim. I think we all have something similar for our kids. Sophia, thank you so much for your thank time Thank you today. so much. That's Sophia Stefanovic, and she is the author of Miss Ex-Yugoslavia.